0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. This is lesson number nine on the importance of God's word. Never thought we'd get to number nine, but we are. We'll see how long we stay with it, but it's important. The importance of God's word. If you weren't with us, we talked about only the word of God answers three of life's most important questions. Where did we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? And so you could look it up, previous messages and find out where you came from, why you're here and where you're going. You find that in the word of God and nowhere else. Then we said that the word also saves. We're born again, not a corruptible seed, but by the word of God of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. That's how we're saved. They were healed. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. We're delivered by the word and deliver them from their destructions. And then also we're saved as far as the soul is concerned, the renewing of our mind the way we think it's corrupted was corrupted in the fall and so we're told by james in james 1:21 lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to do what save your soul or deliver you from your corrupt reasoning faculties and then we went on to say that all things were created by the word of god he spoken and it all came into being all things were upheld by the word of his power according to hebrews chapter 1 all these things are revealed in the scriptures Then the word enlightens us. Psalm 119 verse 130 says the entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We talked about it prevents sin in Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then also today we're going to talk about the ultimate truth was last week. Today we're going to talk about only the word of God can help us overcome life storms. Only the word of God. So in the book Luke. Luke's gospel chapter 6. Overcoming life storms. Anybody here ever face a storm in life? We all go through storms, right? Absolutely. But thank God we can have the word of God to help us navigate through the storms of life. Look at verse uh, 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock and when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon earth. Against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So. This is called the Sermon on the Plain. The Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew. Chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. That's the full version of it. Luke recorded part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically reveals extensively to each and every one of us what it means or what it looks like to be a followers of his, to serve him. To live for him. Here Luke is giving us part of what Jesus said about that. So if you really want to get the full picture. We can look at both Sermon on the Mount and Sermon on the Plain. But we're going to explore it. We're going to start with the fact that if you read through the Sermon on the Mount. So many things that Jesus taught. Chapter 5, 6, 7. First of all let me ask this question. Do you want to live the way he wants you to live? Absolutely. We all should want to do that. Do you want to serve the way he wants to be served? Absolutely. We all all should want to do that. Well, we go to the book of uh, Matthew. We talk, talk about in the first part of it, the Beatitudes, talking about character, character that we all should walk in. If you read the first part of the Beatitudes and you see some of the things he said, are we that way? Do we really hunger and thirst for righteousness? He went on to talk about motives whether you're seeking mammon or the true riches of his kingdom. He talked about hell, escaping hell. If you need to, pluck out your right eye and cut off your right hand. Isn't that what he said? He talked about that. Talked about the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others to do unto you. He talked about loving your enemies. Something that we all do every day. Right? Loving your enemies. He talked about things like prayer. The discipline of prayer. When you pray, don't be like a hypocrite. He talked about the discipline of giving. When you give, don't be like a hypocrite. He talked about the discipline of fasting. When you fast, don't be like the hypocrite. Then he told them how to pray. Taught them what way that they should pray. And the list goes on. He talked about justice. He talked about not judging people. In other words, in that package, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we have a revelation of how he wants us to live for him and serve him. He revealed the Father as a God of love who cares more for his children than even natural human parents care for their own. He also revealed to us what his desire is as far as our quality of life is concerned. As a matter of fact, who who else has ever told you, take no thought for your life? What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. Life is bigger than that. Life is more than that. Seek the kingdom of God first and all that you need will be added to you. You have no wants whatsoever, no needs. I'll meet them all, is what he said. So you can see in these chapters, 5, 6, and 7, also here in Luke chapter 6. Given it shall be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, metal given to your bosom. If we follow his teachings, then we'll live lives that please him, lives that honor him. So what he did was at the very end of Luke and also at the end of Matthew, He talks about a couple of things. Here in Luke, he ends it with a question. His teachings with a question. And then he teaches on two foundations. So let's look at the question first. What is the question? Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? Why are you calling me Lord? Notice Lord, Lord, the double Lord, Lord, Lord. Emphasizing Lordship. What does that mean? See, Lord is not a name, it's a title. You are the Lord of my life. Remember that song we used to sing? Jesus, Jesus, Lord to me. Master, Savior, Prince of Peace. Ruler of my heart today. Jesus, Lord to me. Don't think I'm going to sing it. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Okay? Because you see, Lord means all that we just, that I just said in that song. Master. He's my master. Master. I surrender to him. My life belongs to him. I live for him. I behave the way he wants me to behave. I do what he wants me to do. I listen to his sayings, the things that he taught, and I embrace them and incorporate them into my life. Why? He's the ruler of my heart today. He's my master. He's my savior. He's my prince of peace. So when he said that, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I say? What you're saying when you say, Lord, is I'm exclusively living just for you. And I'm listening to every word. Every word. Every law. Every commandment. Every statute. Every judgment. Why? Because I'm yours. And I want to please you. Makes sense, doesn't it? Okay. Now, the two foundations. Let's continue on. Look at verse 47. Two foundations. At the end of the teaching, this is what he does. He says, now this is application apply it to your life. But there's going to be two foundations that men will build their lives on and here they are. Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock and when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth not hears and does not, is like a man without a foundation, builds a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So we see two foundations. What are they? One is firm. One is solid. The other one is faulty. and Built on sand. One weathers a storm. The other one is destroyed by the storm. So he basically saying this, there's going to be two kind of people that live. Number one, those that listen to what I have to say and do what I say. Those who listen also, but they don't do it. They have another course of action that they take, another direction that they go in. Maybe another frame of reference that they live by. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's look at the storm. Number one, the storm. The fact of the storm must be expected. The fact of the storm Must be expected. You might be thinking, is that a faith statement? I've got to expect a storm in my life? Well, let me ask you a question that I ask probably many, 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 many times. I've done probably almost 500 funerals since I've been in ministry for 40 years. Anybody here plan on not dying? Anybody in the room, raise your hand if you don't, if you're not going to die. Should Jesus tarry his coming and not come in our lifespan, have you made a decision that I'm still not going to die? I don't think anybody raised their hand ever since I've been saying that. Why not? Because they're gonna die. You can expect it. Your mother's gonna die, your father's gonna die, family members, your grandparents. I remember I was devastated when my grandmother in 1969 died. I was just turned 17 years old, and it was a heartbreak for me. I didn't know anything about life, death, and eternity. Oh, I was in a religious institution, if you want to call it that, but I didn't know about it, and it was unexpected. Honestly, as a young boy, I didn't realize anything about death. I'd never been to a funeral ever in my life. But there she was. I I went to the house with my father when my grandfather called and said, Mike, your mother, we went up to the house and there she was lying on the floor, gone. Pretty devastating because it was December, December the 23rd. And on the 24th is when everybody goes to grandma's house and celebrates Christmas Eve. And she cooked up a storm like you wouldn't believe. And the day before it, she's gone. I mean, it impacted me in such a way. You know why? I didn't know the word. I had no knowledge of life, death, and eternity. I made a stupid vow. But you don't know the word, I guess. It's okay to say ignorant. My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge? Grandma, I'll visit your grave every day. I haven't been there once. I've come to find out she's not there. How many of you know that she's not there? Right? i will pray for you all these prayers i got out my book i'm going to pray these hundreds of oh i'll do it a hundred times and a hundred times hardly did it i didn't know about life death and eternity but you know what i found out the truth from god's word about life death and eternity where we're going to find these answers in the word of god so we have to expect the fact that storms are going to come and you're going to face the storm of bereavement at one time or another in your life it could be someone even closer then, a grandparent. It could be your own son or daughter or spouse. And it's heartrending unless you really know the truth. And they know Jesus. But look at John 16, verse 33, to make it very clear that I'm not speaking doubt or unbelief, I'm just echoing Jesus' words. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have what? Fun, Kennywood, right? Ball games, did the Penguins win? Uh, Heartbreak, disappointment. What's the Steelers record? (laughs) Same as the Browns. How about it? Although we have a win in the division. Never mind. Jesus talked about the storms come to all of us, and in the world we'll have what? Tribulation. And in Matthew's account, what does he say? It's rain, it's wind, and floods. Right? Rain. What is rain? It's coming down from above. It's adversity coming down from above. Almost like depression, oppression, just falling from the sky, and you just go, can I take any more of this? How many you have heard the expression, when it rains, it pours? And they're speaking of what? This situation, that situation, just raining down on top of my life. And it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming, right? Rain coming down from above. You know the word says also, he causes the rain to come on the just and the unjust as well. So it doesn't matter whether you're just or unjust. Still, there's going to be rain coming down. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. This is a fallen society. Someone says, why did, why did God let that child be born like that? Because we live in a fallen society. God had nothing to do with it. It's the direct result of the fall of man. Why was this man born blind, they asked Jesus. He said, he didn't sin and neither did his parents sin. But we're living in a fallen society, a fallen world because of Adam's transgression and sin, which opened up the door to birth defects and all kinds of sickness and disease and all the uh, things that we, adversities we face in life. So it's important that we recognize that. And when it comes to winds, we have the adversity that's coming from around us. All around. People have said, look around you. Look what's going on. Look what's happening in the world today. Discouragement as a result. And then you've got the floods of adversity coming from beneath. Just rising up. The flood water is just rising up. So what's Jesus trying to tell us? Storms are going to come. They'll rain down. The winds will blow. And the flood waters will rise from beneath. And the thing is, if you don't know the Word of God and don't do the Word of God, you can be devastated by the storm. But if you know the Word of God and practice the Word of God, you can rise up above the storm and overcome it. So no one is is exempt. And it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're upper class, middle class, lower class, or have no class at all. It doesn't matter. It's going to come your way. It's going to come our way. We're going to face adversity. You know, what matters is we expect it, we know it, and let us be prepared for it. Number two is the fall of the storm will be revealed. The fall of the storm will be revealed. What do you mean by the fall? Well, both men appear to be the same. And if you look at the construction during that era, you look at the houses and they're probably the same, built from the same materials and all that. They all look. They both look alike from outward appearances. Well, how do I spiritualize that? Well, we all look the same when we come to church. You hear the same message, right? You receive the same information. You shout like everybody else shouts and so on. So here we are all gathering together and we all look the same because we're all doing the same thing. Those two houses look the same. But the difference was how they reacted when the storm came. Did they act upon the word of God or did they ignore the word of God? That's the question. And so even though they had their Bibles, even though they underscored it under, this had to be way back when because I don't know if people do that anymore because they have all their iPads and phones and all that sort of thing, but they underscore things, but they all look the same. But the difference is acting on the word of God. Now the one who acted on the word of God, we know he was wise. He had a firm foundation. It was built upon a rock. It was solid. Look at James chapter 1, verse 22. James knew about this. There was adversity that he was talking about in that first chapter that they were going through. And they were deceived into thinking that God was the problem for their, all their woes. But he corrected them and said, it's not God who's your problem. That's error. That's deception. God is the one who sends out every good gift from above. He's not the one that creates problems in your life. He sends every good and perfect gift from above, from the Father of lights. And there's no variable. neither shadow of turning. God is good. I said, God is good. The devil's evil. We can understand that, right? But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Isn't that what Jesus taught his brother James? Deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For beholdeth himself, he behold himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what matter of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... And continue it therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So what's the difference here? Once again, the doer of the word is blessed in his deed. But the one who, who hears the word but doesn't do the word can be devastated by the storm. And he's basically deceived. So with that understood, look at Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25. The foolish man had a faulty foundation. It was built on sand. You see... He heard the word, but he had another frame of reference. He was going to do some things his own way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This is speaking of something like sand that's, in, that, that's movable. It's talking about things that can shift. Not a solid foundation, but there's no firm, solid rock foundation beneath the life of the person. And as a result, when adversity comes, there's another frame of reference speculation, human reasonings, theories, hypothetical situations, hypothesis. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share something with you. Anybody here of the person by the name of Madonna? Madonna? Okay. Anybody know who she is? Okay. She had a baby girl. When she had a baby girl, she was asked by someone who interviewed her and said to her, how are you going to rear up your child as far as religion is concerned? And she says, well, I'm Catholic and I'm going to get a, her baptized Catholic. But even though I don't, I don't believe in a lot of what Catholicism teaches, but I am going to have her baptized as Catholic. But then I'm going to expose her to also Buddhism and also Judaism and Kabbalah, which is a form of Judaism that's basically mystical. It's within Judaism. And then she said this. That's why I got this to quote. I would rather present the Bible to my daughter as some very interesting stories you can learn from rather than this is the rule you must live by. So it's okay to learn all that other mystical stuff. But the Bible is only a book of stories that you can learn a little bit from. But it's not the rule by which you live your life. What did Jesus say? You better hear my sayings and do them. Isn't that what he said? But she's made a decision to say that book you can't live by. And so she's doing exactly what Jesus said not to do. And there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way, notice not just one way of death, but are the ways There are many ways of death. In that Sermon on the Mount, he also talked about two roads that lead to two places. Remember that? You can enter the straight and narrow gate, or you can use a wide gate that's open real wide. People can enter in. Many will enter in, and they're going to be lost forever. So if you hear my sayings and do them, you're a wise man. If you hear them and do them not, you're a foolish man. And you know what? It's your foundation. It's your life, and it's your eternity, is what he was telling them. So... Number three, the force of the storm was endured. It was endured by the one who made a decision that I am going to be a doer of the word of God. There was a time when I heard in my life, you must be born again. I didn't have any clue as to what it meant. So let's take something as small as that subject. Jesus didn't say you must be religious. He didn't say you must be Jewish. He didn't say you must be a Catholic, a Presbyterian, a Pentecostal, And and the list goes on and on. A Methodist, he didn't say any of that. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Are you listening to me, Nicodemus? You must be born again. That's what Jesus taught him. Now, he could have said, that's with human reasoning, which he did. How can I go back into my mother's womb and be reborn? You're a lunatic. You're some kind of crazy lunatic teacher. You have no idea what you're talking about. No man my age can go back and be reborn. And Jesus explained to him, look, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. I didn't say you must be religious, I said you must be born again. You must receive a new life, new heart, new nature on the inside of you to enter into my kingdom. And if you don't know that, don't believe that Nicodemus, well, you're a teacher and elder in Israel and you don't know that, what's the matter with you? Surely I'm telling you, you must be born again. Now, the doer of the word will hear that, and he'll follow Romans 10. Look at verses 8 through 10. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and heart, the word of faith that we preach. If thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised us from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So here we have it. Either a person says, this is what I'm going to choose to do. I heard what Jesus said. I must be born again. And if Jesus said I must be born again, then you know what? I must be born again. And so I'm, I'm going to do that. The hearer of the word says, I heard that, but doesn't do anything with it. Numerous occasions, I, I talked to different people. This one fellow I'm thinking about right now, come from, once again, a religious background, won't say what it was, but I gave him line upon line, precept upon precept, how to be born again. And when I got to the place, he said, oh, I believe all that stuff. I said, you do? I said, then will you make Jesus Christ the Lord and save your life by calling upon his name right now to come into your heart and give him lordship over your life? He said, no, nah, I'm doing pretty good by myself. So in other words, you believe, but you don't really believe. You believe, but you will not make him Lord and Savior of your life. You don't want him to be your Lord. You don't want him to tell you how to live and tell you what to do. Is that what you're telling me? Right. I'm doing a pretty good job myself. But the thing that's puzzling to me, they'll still go back to church and listen, I guess, but yet not make a decision for Christ. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall just say they believe in Jesus shall be saved. No, no, no. Whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we must call upon that name from the heart that said, I heard I must be born again. I'm calling upon that name to make Christ the Lord and Savior of my life, Jesus. I can't save myself. Come in. Recreate my spirit. Give me a new heart. Do for me what I can't do for myself. I accept you as my Lord, I accept you as my Savior, I exclusively live for you, I deny myself, I take up my cross, and I will follow you, Jesus, every day of my life. That person is going to be saved. He acted upon the word of God. Now the results were given. The one that built on the rock, weathered the storm. The one that was built on the sand, human reasonings in different ways that, that they thought might have been right, tradition, speculation. Traditions of men, religious ideas and traditions and all that. You realize how many people are being lost because they're religious today? You pe- you, are you out there? You know more people are being lost because of religion than anything else? That's true. They think they're okay because of what they believe. Look, in the book of John chapter 2 and verse 5, Mary, the one who gave birth to the Son of God, provided a body for him to live in, to walk on the earth in flesh, gave great counsel and great advice to anybody who would like to hear it and do it. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, what? What was that? Nike did not come up with that expression. Just do it came from Mary. Whatever he says, do it. Do what he said to do. Now, is the flood is the rain going to come? Are the winds going to blow? Are the flood waters going to rise? Absolutely. But what did he say to do in the midst of all that? Do it. Whatever he says to do, don't just hear it, but do it. Do what he said to do and this will happen isaiah 59 verse 19 so shall they fear the name of the lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood have you been there when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord shall lift up a standard against him you know what that means when you proclaim God's word in the midst of the situation, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against the work of the enemy, against all adversity. Now, some in our faith circles try to change that around. I don't know why they try to do this, but for some reason, that's what they did. They say, when the enemy comes in, like, when the enemy comes in, and stop right there, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. But wait a minute. Didn't Jesus just teach in Luke and in also Matthew? Did he not just say the rain, the wind, and the flood? In other words, he's talking about the work of the enemy and adversity coming against us in this life as rain, wind, and flood. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, and he's going to come in like a flood, and you and I proclaim God's word, then the Spirit will of the Lord will go to work and the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the work of the enemy praise God so let him come in like a flood we believe the hand of God is greater hallelujah greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world and there are many challenges that we will face in this life. praise God we know that but none of them greater than the God that we serve I want to close with this text in Matthew's gospel chapter 7. It's not in your notes. But knowing the difference between God's word and acting on God's word and just hearing God's word and not acting on it is so essential to all of our lives. So important. It makes the difference between whether or not our house stands or we're devastated by the storms of life. Look at these verses. Now these verses are right before Matthew 7:24 through 27, when Jesus taught the same thing in Luke that we just read. The two individuals, the wise man and the foolish man. Listen to what he said. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Remember Luke 6:46 said, why call me Lord, Lord? And do not those things which I say. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does what doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say it to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name cast out devils, in thy name done wonderful, many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And he went on to say then the two foundations. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 give us a revelation of what it looks like to live for Christ and to serve him. It would behoove all of us to really do an an intense study of all the things that he said. Because he's establishing and laying out principles that we're to live by. Guidelines for us to follow. Can you see that? Like even the love your enemy one, Pray for them. Right. First thing this morning you prayed for your enemy. Right? I hardly think so. You probably don't even think about your enemy, let alone pray for them. Do good to them. Speak well of them. Right? So what's he saying to us? Salvation came at a tremendous cost. The precious blood that he shed for us on Calvary. He paid the price for us. And he demands and commands our allegiance. It's obedience, hearing and doing the word of God that sets the stage for us to rise up above the storms of life. And let me tell you something right now. There are many times when your feelings, my feelings and emotions do not want to do what the word of God says to do. Can you say amen on that one? When we would do anything or everything else but what the word of God says. Did you ever notice when you're going through a trial or situation, difficulty, that your flesh rises up in rebellion when you say you ain't love him? Lord, can I love him in a way that I want to love him? You know, in love? Can I do that? Uh, No, son. Turn the other cheek. Do you see this? Those that do the word of God, they'll be the ones that are blessed. Their houses will stand the test of time and eternity. So let's all stand together before the Lord and thank him that he's given us his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.